Hello, and welcome to Bread and Thread, a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz. And I'm Hazel. We're two friends who studied archaeology together and love history. Um, so, yeah, we normally start by talking about things we've been making. I've just started a new embroidery project that I'm very excited about. Oh, details? So my sister is starting an engineering degree in September, assuming that university is open. And I saw this phrase on Tumblr, um, we are all victims of physics. (laughs) True. (laughs) Technically true. <laughs> so I'm embroidering that phrase for her with a little like emergency exit man falling over. <laughs> that is fantastic. And you are the best sibling. I'm currently partway through, so it just says, we are all ictims. <laughs> I mean, I feel like an ictim. That's, that's a coincidence because I am also embroidering well i'm cross-stitching but there's black work in it um a a phrase from tumblr as well um it's when i want your opinion i'll read it in your entrails oh (laughs) oh that's a good one yeah i'll take a picture of it and put it on the uh the twitter and so should you with your thing um i mean this is going to be on my instagram oh yeah Oh yeah. Is, but... is the black worker crow? Please tell me it's a little crow. No, it's a raven. <laughs> oh, well, it's, still, it's still a COVID. That's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, the, well, the raven isn't in black work, but it's got like a background in black work. Um, although I'm doing it in like bright magenta. <laughs> instead oh, of... oh, I need to see this. Yeah, I, I will send you pictures. It's magnificent. It's a, well, it's a present for one of my friends who once told me. I, feel, I, I wish I had a badge that said, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. Um, so I'm doing my best. It's too big to be a badge, but I might finish it into like a little a little cushion or something. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we I should kind of want to make also one. give that to my sister. Just give her some really good decor for yeah. when she moves into halls. Oh, she'll be like the best decorated fresher (laughs) (laughs) so what what are you teaching us about today um okay today we are going to learn about the wild and wonderful history of rum oh so this i mean this all started when liz sent me a text with we should make an episode about rum because of this and a link to an article about how rum is apparently the new gin. In that people are making it in their homes. Okay. Oh, did you not read it? I did not read that bit. No, no like I read the new like home distilling thing. Everyone's making <laughs> rum apparently. What? When did this happen? I don't know. It <laughs> might be a lockdown thing. Everyone's making rum now. <laughs> Bro, I love the idea that people were like, hmm. Distilling gin at home isn't really a great idea. This can go horribly wrong. Let's make rum instead. I mean, I don't know for taste, but I really like the smell of rum, so I'm fine with this. 
<laughs> I and think, it goes yeah. well in cakes. Ooh. Now that is a thought. I might have... To, damn, I want some rum now. I was researching this, like... By the end of it, I just really fancied a mojito. <laughs> Well, maybe um, you should make some rum. <laughs> maybe I should. Oh, fun little cottage core activity, making my own rum. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag DIY. Um, I no, I'm not going to do that, and you shouldn't either, unless you know about distilling everybody. <laughs> this has been a PSA from Bread and Threads. <laughs> don't don't just tell your own spirits at home, please. Just chug old molasses. It's the same thing. <laughs> I do like a bit of rum, though. Um, okay, so um, turns out rum has a bit of a dark history, but um, dark rum. Yeah, I mean that, and also like bad bad things have happened because of rum. But um, well, I guess not because of rum, but because I mean, of people's desire for rum. Bad things. Yeah. <laughs> um so but but let's not shy away from that on the bread and bread podcast. So um yeah rum is a spirit distilled from fermented sugar cane well from molasses um which is a byproduct of sugar refining. Um although apparently you know, it's kind of a running theme here on this podcast that people will ferment anything, literally anything. <laughs> so sugarcane has apparently been fermented um, for, for a long, long time. But the first specific reference uh, is apparently in a Sanskrit manuscript from 1129. Um, and that's, uh, that's a reference to a beer made from fermented sugarcane. Um, but rum, as we know it as a spirit, didn't appear until the 17th century when it was first distilled on the Caribbean islands, um, probably first distilled by slaves who figured out that they could use the excess molasses on the sugar plantations to make alcohol. Um, and rum's early history is pretty tied to the slave trade um not gonna lie it's not it's not a great time um because apparently rum became one of the big exports for america as as a young country or as a colony and then as a young country um in fact apparently 80 percent of new england's export was rum at one time wow yeah <laughs> That's a lot of rum. That is a lot of rum. And in order to make that much rum, they needed a lot of sugar and a lot of molasses. And in order to do that, they needed more plantations, more slaves. So, yeah, kind of a vicious cycle of bad stuff. Um, so, apparently, the name rum comes from well this is debatable but apparently it comes from the nickname rumbullion or rumbustion which are both terms oh. that mean a violent uproar good words right good words 
Rumbustion. <laughs> and it got like short. combustion. <laughs> it does sound a bit like some kind of machine driven by rum. <laughs> the internal rumbustion engine. <laughs> That's what I run on. <laughs> um, yeah, so this apparently got shortened eventually to rum. Um, although I do slightly want to carry on calling it rumbustion. Apparently it was called this because original rum was a little bit foul. Like, not not a fun thing to drink, but it was cheap to make. Um, but when rum started becoming more popular, um, a bit more attention was paid to making it nice and It's smooth. interesting, isn't it? It's kind of like what we were talking about with oysters back in our first episode. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, oh, it's this kind of waste product that the poor people have. And then someone discovers that it tastes nice and they just go, we should make this and make it expensive so those pores can't have it. Um, kind of, yeah. And I think that's what's starting to happen at the moment as well with, well, with stuff like gin and rum. Um, now it's expensive because it's fancy. Mm. Um. <laughs> yeah, because gin is what middle-class grandmothers drink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so rum apparently didn't really become popular um, above the quote-unquote lower classes until, like, the 19th century. Um, although it was um, it was very popular in colonial America and was apparently one of the things that fueled the American Revolution, as along with tea, it was one of the things that was attacked by the British government. That makes sense, because there was a lot of sort of piracy associations with rum weren't there yeah and apparently that is where that comes from in that um like privateers and and pirates would um target ships carrying rum well yeah i mean um, captain morgan was a privateer as okay. in the rum brand yeah so tell me about captain morgan because i have not heard this okay so i don't know a lot about him um but basically he was a a welshman um, possibly from Llanrhymne, um, but definitely from Monmouthshire. I did not know he was Welsh. He was Welsh. <laughs> I mean, he was South Welsh, but still. Um, <laughs> who probably ended up in the Caribbean as... Um... Sorry, I forgot how to use words. Um, either sent there as kind of working off a debt or just sort of trying to find work somewhere. Um, but there's, there is one theory that he was basically abducted from Bristol um, okay. as, to work as a servant. And yeah, he became a privateer and dur- during the wars between England and Spain and was heavily involved in Barbados and Jamaica, especially. Okay. Um, and there's sort of there's, there's a sort of a legend which, like most of the of the stories on this podcast, may not be true. That he <laughs> knew how to get the good stuff. Ooh. So now we have Captain Morgan's rum, and apparently he was the inspiration for a load of early pirate stories. 
Okay. Because we're talking about he was active in the sort of mid to late 1600s. Mm-hmm. So he just ended up as kind of the prototypical pirate. Wow. And also has this association with Rome. <laughs> and Nick has actually had gro- uh, grog made with Captain Morgan's. Okay. How was it? Lovely. I don't know if the microphone picked that <laughs> Oh, up. yes, it did. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> grog is basically just watered down rum with lime juice in it. Okay. Yeah, I did um, read about that. Apparently the whole rum and lime thing comes from, um, well, of course, rum was served daily on Royal Navy ships and the lime is to prevent scurvy. So rum and lime taken together was like invigorating and healthful. Um, in fact, my my granddad was in the Navy, um, only briefly in World War II, but um, he still <laughs> continued the rum tradition. He had a friend who would come to visit us, and he was in his 80s at the time, and he had a friend who lived close to us, and so they would hang out and um, drink a tot of rum at noon every day. <laughs> Apparently, another reason that the British Navy took to using rum was because brandy was made in France and we we didn't like the French at the time. In fact, we didn't like them so much that we had several wars with them. So that um <laughs> that stopped us having to buy Are brandy. You that having rum on ships is just freedom fries. <laughs> kind of, I guess. Um, so, oh, in fact, um, apparently rum became so popular in America uh, in the 18th century that when running for government in 1758, George Washington supplied voters with 28 gallons of rum. Now, if only that happens these days. I mean, it wouldn't make me more likely to vote for anyone, but I, I would definitely enjoy that sweet bribery. I'm, I'm assuming that's for a large crowd, rather I, than I just, would... <laughs> you can have 28 gallons of rum. I I assume it is not 28 gallons of rum each. <laughs> that would be, that would be quite expensive. I like, I guess it was like for an event or something. I am guessing he wasn't going door to door, just giving people rum. Um, 160 gallons for 391 voters. That's oh still boy. quite a bit of rum per person. That is quite a lot of rum. Swilling the planters with Bumbo. Bumbo? <laughs> Sorry, so, just say that again so we've got a clean throat for when you're editing. Swilling the planters with Bumbo. I want that on a t-shirt. Bumbo. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm calling it from now on. <laughs> I don't know. I still like rumbustion. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of going into a bar and winking at the bartender and going, I'd like a glass of your finest bumbo, please. <laughs> <laughs> bumbo and ginger beer. <laughs> Bacardi and bumbo. Oh, no, wait. Bacardi is a rum. That doesn't work. <laughs> That's oh, no. just ordering two rum. I would like a, a white rum and a dark rum in a glass. <laughs> Sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, another legend about rum 
is that, and this is quite a famous one, when uh, Admiral Nelson was killed in the Battle of Trafalgar, um, that his body was preserved on the journey home in a barrel of rum. And that is where the nickname... Sorry? Turn himself into a pickle. <laughs> you did get in a bit of a pickle, didn't you? <laughs> so apparently that's where the nickname for rum, Nelson's Blood, comes from, um, which you might know from the song Nelson's Blood. I believe also the phrase tapping the admiral, meaning to have a drink. Really? It also sounds like a bit of a euphemism, um, but... <laughs> But this is a clean podcast, so we'll move it on. Is. And so I will not go further into that. Um, but apparently it wasn't a barrel of rum, it was brandy. But um, just because of the, the nautical associations with rum. Mm-hmm. But you know, a drop of Nelson's blood never did us any harm. I'm going to have that as an earworm now. <laughs> yeah, I reckon so. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a, um, a folk song. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm. So, bringing us almost up to the present day, I have one more twist in the history of rum, and that is that Bacardi, which is these days one of the biggest rum distilleries in the world. Um, oh, although going back to Captain Morgan. Did you know that apparently Captain Morgan is heavily subsidised by the US government? No. Yep. Why? Apparently the company that makes, I think it's something to do with tax money or, um, yeah, I'm not sure. But um, it's, yeah, it's headquartered in the US Virgin Islands and the US government has spent a lot of money um, to help them build a new distillery and subsidize the price of molasses so yeah how odd because that's a tax haven as well isn't it yes it is yeah so you would think hmm i don't know are they still giving the planters bumbo (laughs) (laughs) maybe it is maybe they're still swilling the planters <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Bacardi. Bacardi were That's exiled in 1960 by Fidel Castro. Um, apparently because they opposed him. Uh, they didn't in the beginning, but um, then they started to. And so all Bacardi's assets in Cuba were seized by Castro in 1960. And that is why they are now headquartered in Puerto Rico. Anti-communist rum. <laughs> I honestly don't know what to say to that. That's yeah. I mean, I present that fact without comment. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm going to give you a little recipe from 1895 for a rum punch from the book Modern American Drinks, published in 1895. So this is for Jamaica rum punch. Fill a mixing glass half full of fine ice. Add one tablespoon of fine sugar, a little water, the juice of half a lemon, 
one jigger of Jamaican rum. That's the um, little the metal hourglass cocktail measuring thing. Yeah, one jigger like a, of a big rum. shot, right? Um, yeah, and one jigger of Irish whiskey. Mix well, strain into a fancy bar glass, trim with fruit, or leave on ice and serve with straws. That's a pretty alcoholic uh, punch they've got there. Mm. That's basically just rum, whiskey, and lemon juice, slightly sweetened. That's, I mean, that sounds like it would have a bit of a kick to it. Yeah. I can imagine all these 1890s ladies just getting absolutely battered. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, brief history of rum. Um, and that one is, a, it's a bit of a wild history, as it turns out. Yeah. I mean, there were some things I was expecting, and then some things I really wasn't. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, th thank you for that, that fun contribution, by the way, Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. That... Presenting the word Bumbo in a variety of weird voices at the moment. Bumbo. 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 My brain no. went off my neck. And your internal monologue. So what's the local larder yeah. today? Buy jam. Buy jam. We've got plenty of jam. Buy more jam. Go away and let me talk about what's the sauce. <laughs> In case anybody's wondering, this is just every day with the Blakes. It really is. <laughs> this is a Nick Heavy episode. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to see a tripe monster? Do you want to know what happens when you compress an egg? We don't have these answers. Or that. Do you want to truly understand the tripe monster from space? Do you want to know what happens when you compress an egg? We don't have the answers to these questions, but we do have a podcast about bad and weird films. Pod 9 from Outer Space. Starring me, Nick, and Liz, who is not me. Hello, I'm Mod, I'm Mod Paper from Probably Bad RPG Ideas. And we have a podcast. If you'd like to hear RPG advice on how to use assorted incredibly bad ideas as actual ideas in an actual game, then listen to the Probably Bad podcast. Available on pretty much every podcatcher. And remember to have a probably bad day. So, Worcestershire sauce. Yes. Um, I'm excited because I love it so much. I mean, even just the name, I think, is quite interesting because... It says Worcestershire sauce, but most people, I think, just call it Worcester sauce because Worcestershire is a mouthful. I guess, yeah. Um, so Worcestershire sauce, 
is not vegetarian. There is a vegetarian. Really? There is a vegetarian version, but a key ingredient um, in Worcester sauce is actually um, fish. Okay. Um, specifically anchovies. Ah. I find quite interesting because that means that it fits into this tradition of fermented fish sauces going right back to sort of garum. Yeah, I was yeah I was thinking that like most parts of the world have some kind of fish sauce, and mm. like Western Europe doesn't, but I guess it does, and it's Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. Like, it, it definitely fell out of favour as a concept in Europe. But Worcester sauce is mostly sugar, vinegar and anchovies. Okay. Wow. Um, so, basically, this, um, the recipe supposedly came from um, a governor of Bengal. Um, mm -hmm. During the East India Company years. Um, and he commissioned Liam Perrins, who were apothecaries, to try and recreate it because he loved this sauce when he was living it when he was living in India. Um, and apparently they ended up making this absolutely foul substance. <laughs> um, the story goes that years later they just kind of gave it another taste <laughs> which I'm, I'm not sure how true that is I feel like it's more likely that the sauce was fermented so they had to leave it a while but yeah. I like the story more that they just went oh let's give it another go and then it tasted nice <laughs> I mean, as a home brewer, that that is kind of what what I do <laughs> with things. I'm not just like, yeah, I'm not sure how long this needs to ferment. So I guess we'll just try it every couple of months. <laughs> but would you go to the point of you abandon a barrel of it in the basement and then you go and give it another try? <laughs> I mean, people try people like buy those ancient wine bottles that that are rescued from shipwrecks and try them don't they people will try anything true but again that was drinkable at the time theoretically like i just can't <laughs> get my head around it just being let's give it another taste rather than <laughs> they needed to ferment it <laughs> as much as i adore the story i just, i can't but yeah, um, it was sold to the general public from 1837, um, which means we've had Worcester sauce since literally the beginning, the first year of the Victorian era. Wow. <laughs> it does seem like a very Victorian concept. Well, yeah, you've got stealing an idea from India. Mm -hmm. You've got going to some random apothecaries and going, here, make <laughs> this. 
we've got um, a completely bastardized version of a food from another country. And we've got inadvisable food experiments. <laughs> And and somehow they all culminate, culminated in this delicious, delicious thing. Which is still made in Worcester. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously it's sold around the world now. Um, it's uh, distributed by Heinz now, just okay. due to a series of companies buying other companies. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I did... I did buy some Worcestershire sauce in Tesco in the Czech Republic once. And that was cool. Was that a nice taste of home? Yeah, because uh, they I didn't know this, but they have Tesco in the Czech Republic. <laughs> um, so yeah, but, but it, was, it was off-brand. It wasn't Liam Perrin's, it was Tesco's. But apparently in most of the places it's sold that, that aren't English-speaking countries... It's known as English sauce. Oh, I did actually know that. Yeah, because um, I I used to live with a Spanish girl, Paula, and um, I was like teaching her how to cook because she could not cook. She'd been living with her family. That was like her first time she'd lived alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like yeah you, should, you need to try this sauce like it's it's like the best thing about english cooking ever it's amazing and i brought out this bottle of liam perrins and she was like oh yeah we have that we call it english sauce <laughs> <laughs> which i guess beautiful. makes sense because like what other country would make this ridiculous food item <laughs> but apparently in shanghai it's known as spicy soy sauce and is used in like a local preparation of pork chops. No way, that's amazing. Um, and I know I said at the beginning that you can that Worcester sauce isn't vegetarian, but there is a vegetarian version. Okay. What what is it made with? I don't know. Presumably not anchovies. <laughs> I couldn't find I couldn't find exactly what gives the flavor because like obviously the uh the like recipe lists is like you legally have to say what's in what's in food if you're selling it in the UK but I I don't know either I'm not familiar enough with some to know what makes it really fishy or it's just not as fishy okay but i, I can confirm it. it still is nice as an ingredient okay good so yeah now i want now i want a mojito and a cheese on toast with worcestershire sauce that would be a combination yeah that's a good point it would not be great <laughs> so but it's just that's it's, this, this week's shortened umami local ladder <laughs> go try some Worcestershire sauce though seriously it's amazing it makes I mean, everything straight oh yeah no don't don't drink the stuff you put it in food you, you cook with it um 
it just stews, pasta sauces, like anything with melted cheese. Yeah. Um, and I have put it in a fajita, which is probably terrible of me, but it was really good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, just anything that you're you're cooking up, soups, whack it in there. Mm. Your mouth will have a good time. Um, so that's yeah, that's about it for this um, this wild ride of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can email us with any ideas for future episodes on breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet you- us at breadandthread. And you can support and, us on Patreon. Uh, where you can find recipes and instructional videos and chat times. Is that That's it, isn't it? We don't have any more like social no, media. No, that's it. Just patreon.com slash bread and thread. Help us to buy water sauce and rum. Okay. Um, And yeah, go forth and discover Worcestershire sauce. And have a a nice little tot of bumbo.